0: Welcome to the imposter syndrome files. I am so grateful that you're here. My name is Kim Manager and I'm a women's leadership coach. I started this podcast because as a lifelong sufferer of imposter syndrome and a coach who sees this in 98% of the women I meet, I wanted to take this conversation to a bigger stage, so to speak. Imposter syndrome is triggered by a lot of things, but two of the primary triggers are transitions and feeling different from those around us. Women in traditionally male-dominated environments experience these triggers on an almost daily basis. So it's only natural that we would feel this way. What compounds these feelings is the sense that we are alone. The belief that if we share our feelings, we'll expose our incompetence even further. So we carry it around like a deep, dark secret. I started this podcast because I wanna put a stop to this nonsense and destigmatize imposter syndrome. Because we don't talk about it, we look around and assume that everyone around us has it all figured out, that we're somehow the exception to the rule. When in reality, we're all feeling this way. And when we can own that and say it out loud, we all benefit, nobody more so than you. So thanks again for being here. If you enjoy it, please share it with others who might also benefit. Welcome, Diane. I am really excited to have this conversation with you today. I'd love to start by having you introduce yourself. Hi, thank you so much, Kim, for having me.
1: Uh, My name is Diane Dennis. I am the president of a PR agency, Inspired Media Communications and I also have a degree in nursing, and uh, so I've been studying health, mental health, and psychology for decades, and I've put together a book that will be so- soon coming out called An Evolutionary Leap.
0: Wow, that's an interesting combination too, um, PR, nursing, like it sounds, how did, how did that happen? How did you get well, the PR from nursing? Yeah, that's,
1: you know, it seems to be people in business today, their favorite word seems to be pivot. (laughs) And here we are in a pandemic right now, where the world is starting to look at how are are we going to come out of this? How am I going to pivot? What changes do I want to make? And so as we go through life, you know, we choose careers early on. Maybe they're a good match for the archetype that we were set up with our family or expectations. And somewhere along the line, most of us say, is this all there is? Mm -hmm. So I made that pivot from nursing to uh, communications when I discovered the love for writing and I became a columnist for a local newspaper and I was in media. And so that was uh, what what uh, transitioned for me personally.
0: Wow. And, you know, the interesting thing about imposter syndrome is that it tends to show up at times of transition and pivot points, right? So I'm curious, what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And how, if at all, has it shown up as you've been on your career journey? Yes.
1: Thank you for asking. It's It's, you know, it's a really deep, Topic, I mean, because on the surface, the definition of imposter syndrome is somebody feeling, you know, underneath that they're a fraud, and someone's going to find out uh, out that they don't measure up. And so, but underneath that, and oh, you asked me how it shows up, showed up in my life. Well, when I became a columnist, I couldn't believe that I was accepted to write regularly for newspapers, and I just thought. Am I gonna? Am I good enough? Am I gonna measure up? And I spent so much time fretting and worrying and honing my craft because the fear underneath was: Do I really measure up? Are they gonna find out I'm not as good as they must think I am? You know. So that's kind of what you know how it showed up in my life right there. Um, underneath the imposter syndrome is what I think almost every one of us have experienced is is that. We're taught as um, a child to act. You know, don't, you, our parents say, don't act that way. Mm-hmm. And when they say don't act that way, what they're doing is stopping us for, from being who we really are and asking us to act. And that sets the stage for um, us becoming what society and our parents, caregivers expect from us teachers, clergy, etc. And that is a perfect storm for the imposter syndrome and wearing social masks.
0: That's so fascinating, because when you think about it that way, when just as you're describing, right, of being asked to act in a way that is not in alignment with how we really feel or with our authentic selves, we're creating imposters. (laughs) uh, So I'm curious, Tell me more about the effect of that.
1: Okay, so um, underneath the act, the social mask that we're wearing is our authentic self, which we don't believe is good enough because we've been told that it isn't. And that's all in our unconscious field. They call it the shadow. And um, so we, we buy into the story that we are what we've been told to become or to act like. So I call it an unhealed wound. And I think there's a lot of silent suffering around it that can show up in relationships. It can show up in our health and various other ways um, in career uh, and and the and the symptoms of this unhealed wound which is the stuffing of our authentic self the symptoms are um, behaviors that are you know show up everywhere or uh, you know a lot in relationship and in business and you see it in politics and the symptoms are defensiveness um, stonewalling and then it can get, dark darker from there on that i don't know if you want to go down that those rabbit holes (laughs) but but um you know just tapping into what what is the wound what is the real authentic person inside me my soul asking who i am and what i want to become authentically is i call it you know the um hero's journey and so um that's that's kind of it in a nutshell
0: Yeah, thank you for that. And you've got me thinking because I think every one of us has experienced this to some extent because we are all part of this same kind of societal structure that has certain expectations of how we're going to behave that bumps up against how we would show up authentically if that didn't exist. So when you talk about the wound, right? And what is that wound and and essentially what we do about this, how much of that can we do on our own versus how much of that also depends on the environment that we're in because none of this happens in a vacuum. (laughs)
1: Exactly. This is so great. Okay. So um, billions of dollars have been made by self-help books Uh, like The Secret and, you know, all of those. And people read the books and they go, wow, they have an epiphany. And maybe they get really excited and follow some of the guidelines in the book. And then it just kind of disappears into thin air. The excitement and the uh, commitment to make these changes that the books tell us we need to make to step into Uh, our bliss and have prosperity and all the other promises that are carrots dangling for us (laughs) to want. And so um, it's, you know, to really, to really step into your authenticity is to to go through a process. And I I guess it would be called work, but people are so adverse to, oh, if this is work, you know, just give me. Just give me a video to watch. (laughs) But, you know, it's personalized for everybody. And it depends on, you know, everyone's individual, each individual's desire to make that evolutionary leap. And And it comes from a place of discontent. That's where it starts, where is this all there is? And I really want more. And or I've always tried to accomplish this goal. Why can't I make it happen? And it's because you're consciously doing, taking all the steps to, make, to create the uh, success with the goal, but underneath is the unconscious uh, story or belief that prevents it from happening. So there's a, you know, a, a wobble in between what you want on the conscious level and what your unconscious belief is telling you.
0: Are there, and I, I'm sure that this is far too complex for us to sort of whittle down into a few <laughs> into a few key action steps. But I'm curious because you talk about the unconscious story, right? And I think that that's really the case for so many who have not examined uh, where this comes from, or you know, have sort of accepted at face value what their inner critic tells them or what they hear from external sources. Is there a starting point that you would recommend for people who may be wanting to look at that unconscious story a little bit more closely?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, so it starts with the curiosity and instead of the um, anxiety over not meeting your goal, let's say you want to go into management. And you're just on the lower rung and you can't seem to get go from here to there. I can't get there from here to there. And so you start with curiosity. What is my belief around this? Well, my maybe a belief is I don't measure up. So that's where the wound is. I'm not good enough. So just keep digging deeper. Journaling is great. And asking, where did that come from? Well, I was always told I didn't measure up in school. I was, you know, whatever it is. And then re-examine that. And make a conscious choice. I want to change that belief because it's no longer serving me anymore. Okay, well, you can't just take something away without replacing it. So you can um, replace a belief that is no longer serving you with a belief that is. And that takes practice because you're you're going to have to do a lot of self-talk and self-teaching. And um, I think journaling and writing things down is a wonderful commitment. And sometimes getting a biz, a coach. If it's a business situation, a business coach. If it's a personal situation or relationship um, situation, you know, getting someone to help guide you uh, through the process of making that shift.
0: I think that's a really good point. And obviously, as a coach, I—it <laughs> sounds self-serving to say work with a coach, but what I really mean by that, in agreeing with you, is that. It's really powerful to have somebody who's outside of the emotional center that you're operating within, right? Because our loved ones obviously care deeply about us, but they also have a different level of investment in the outcome. And so they may not be able to see in an unbiased way either. So it is helpful to have somebody who doesn't have a stake in the situation to help
1: you through. Yes, and having a stake, very good point because family or people you're in relationship with, even your boss and your coworkers have an investment in keeping you the same. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because you're serving some need right there. And if you want to step outside of that role and make an upgrade, make an evolutionary leap, by the way, I'm about ready to publish my book. It's called an evolutionary leap. So all of this dovetails into into those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so to step outside of that, it takes you're right. I, I think a coach is great because it's going to take some elbow grease to uh, turn the wheel of where you are to where you want to go. Tell me more about the book. Okay. Okay, so um, I wanted to... um, elevate my potential. I wanted to to up level my potential, and I just there were certain things in life that I just couldn't get to, no matter how hard I tried. And there were some things that were so easy. In fact, most of life was so easy for me. But the few things that I just couldn't get to just drove me crazy. So I got I hired you know coaches. I did the self help books for for a decade or so, and. Finally, I put together some protocols for my I, for my own uh, evolutionary leap, and I put them down in a book. Finally, after I had gone through the process and proved my own success in actually accomplishing by the protocols that I developed from my own work, accomplishing those things that were beyond my ability to even conceive that I could do, and I honestly call them miracles. I'll- Although it wasn't just twitch your nose, and 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 it happens, but when you get on that path and do that, this these processes, then it does feel like miracles start happening.
0: What was most challenging for you as you were going through the process?
1: Um, my okay, so getting changing those beliefs. is is probably the most amount of work you need to do. For me personally, I had some real ingrained anxieties and fears and old beliefs about money. And so I had to, at first, you know, you say, well, what did your parents say about money? Oh, money doesn't grow on trees. You know, all of those mantras. And so I said, oh, I'll just change those mantras to something else. Well, that didn't work. And so this is really personal, but I think it really highlights what how we can do this, hmm. is, is that um, one day I woke up in a voice when nothing was working. A voice said to me, you were a financial burden. And I like burst into tears. I thought, my parents didn't say that to me. No one said that to me. But that was the belief way deep down that was created out of how hard my parents worked to support me, you know, that sort of thing. And when I said the underlying unconscious wounded belief is I'm a financial burden. And I thought, Oh my gosh, no wonder this is where I'm at. Mm. So once I uncovered that I could change it and I shifted that belief to become, and you have to really believe it to make it, work for you. I shifted the belief from I'm a financial burden to I'm a financial blessing.
0: Wow. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I, I I'm sure that there are so many of us who can relate to that in some way whether it's a financial burden or you know some other painful realization about the messages that we were given. And when you talk about substituting one belief for another how do you get to the point where you believe something different from what you have internalized for so long
1: well that's a daily practice and so every day it's I call it my program every day when you wake up you choose the thoughts because the thoughts are the thing or the you know is a side effect of uh, getting stuck in the old belief that no longer works because the thoughts are spring from the belief thoughts like um oh god it's going to be hard to pay this bill or and then so you catch yourself whenever you go into the thought that is no longer serving you that's tied to the belief and you say how can i turn this thought around and then and so you do that and it, it is a conscious awareness it is a daily program and it is you know one day at a time every single day you step into it until it becomes your normal and your pa- and your new pattern of behavior
0: i think that e- journaling is also a really effective you mentioned journaling and i think sometimes just getting things out of your head and onto paper can be really helpful too because it provides a little bit of distance between yourself and the belief yes uh, and and i Appreciate that you talk about how much consistency is involved in doing this, because, like you said earlier, we all want a quick fix right? We all want some magical solution to <laughs> to this problem, and unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, but a, a an understanding of what underlies our beliefs and the experience that we're in and a commitment to reframing that as much work as you mentioned as that is is a really powerful and i think much more effective in the long term approach to take
1: yes yes because your choices are going to be different when you do this when you when you consciously choose to change the belief and think different thoughts and interrupt old thoughts that aren't serving you well um, you you're going to make different choices, and then when you make different choices, your reality changes, and it starts to get really good.
0: <laughs> I love that, and i I think a lot about the fact that we have a tendency to look at the big choices as the choices that we make. Right? We think about do I stay in my job or do I leave, or uh, do I stay in this relationship or do I leave, and we don't often realize that it's those very micro daily decisions that we make that lead to the big decisions. Right. Right. So I love that you call out the choices that that change, right, as your (laughs) beliefs start to change.
1: Yes. And and is, you know, it's tolerating one of the things is tolerating behavior. You know, I mean, especially here's you and I, two women talking. Um, we like to make the world a better place for everybody. So we have a tendency to acquiesce to others and, and smooth, you know, smooth, ruffled feathers. And, mm-hmm. and then one day you stand up and you say, that's not right. And I am, I'm not going to accept that, whatever it is. And the wheel starts to turn and then your experiences change. Yeah.
0: For people who may be afraid of standing up to somebody who's a really important person in their lives, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a partner, right? And like I yes. said, we are very relationship oriented, right? Um, how do we, what do we need to think about there? So, what I found out uh,
1: is that, um, if you, if someone says, well, I'm not going to tell, I don't want that kind of a person in my life. I, you know, I was raised that way. (laughs) I don't want someone like my mother or my dad. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, um, you're not my mother, (laughs) 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 you know? And so it starts there is, is that you have to clean up the original relationship first. And you know, maybe we're talking about parents who have passed away, but that's where, you know, a lot of these ingrained behaviors come from and people, relationships we choose going going forward uh, fit into that, that sameness. And so, you know, it, you don't need to have a confrontation necessarily, but you can um, do the healing work and forgiveness on both ends, whether you're with the person or not, or, You know, so you have to go back. You can't. You can't just say, "Okay, well, going forward, it's like you know, as a nurse, when I'm cleaning, uh, when I'm healing a wound, a physical wound in a person's body, I can't just put a band aid over it if it's three inches deep. We have to go to the seat of the, the uh, the where it started. You know, the bottom part, Mm. and we have to heal from the inside out. So the the same uh, dynamics." with relationships and healing wounds, there's the same, whether it's a physical wound or an emotional wound, you have to start, go from the inside out.
0: You know, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I'm thinking about some of the work that I've had to do over the course of my life based on challenging relationship that I had with my, my own father. And I can remember feeling like tackling that directly was just too much and too scary for me at the time. And so what I did was I took smaller baby steps to get to that point. And then finally, when I got to the place where I was ready to address things head on with him, I felt a little bit stronger. Do you think there's a way to uh, prepare for going directly to the seat of the wound, like you're. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think it depends on the situation. I mean, if it's an abusive situation or I think you have to look at your, at your, at the boundary, healthy boundaries. So, because every, you know, every person's different, every situation's different, every dynamic is different. If it's a very toxic environment, just like at work, you know, if you're being bullied, you're not going to confront the bully if you feel your life's in danger. So you know, you look at the boundaries first and you decide how you can do it safely. Sometimes it's writing a letter and not mailing it. Mm. You're making a commitment through the letter to heal. Uh, and, and it doesn't really matter whether the person on the other end accepts or doesn't accept your, uh, your um, you know, commitment to make a change because really you're changing yourself. You can't necessarily change the dynamics of a relationship, especially in a power situation where it's a parent-child.
0: I love that. I think you're absolutely right that we can we can still make peace and come to terms with things on our own without the involvement of the other person.
1: Yeah, and there's two pieces to forgiveness, It's which is the ultimate end result of healing, is not only forgiving the person who... Uh, has done something to cause pain, but it's forgiving yourself for believing the story.
0: Mm, That's a really important one. Yeah. That's sacred work right there. Yeah, absolutely. That's really powerful. Is there anything, I know, again, we could be talking about this for, for days, I'm sure, but is there anything that we didn't cover today that you think is important to, to bring up in the context of this conversation for people who are looking to do this kind of work? I think we've covered it as deeply as we possibly
1: can in a radio interview. (laughs) 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 Um, But, um, you know, I think if, if I, if the takeaway for me, if I, if I were listening to this, I would remind, I would want to be reminded that this is a daily practice. Every day you wake up and you, make a choice to how you want to show up, what you want to think, what thoughts you will no longer uh, receive or accept. And then it goes from, and then you, you go from there.
0: I love that. And, you know, as we wrap up today, what what motivated you to want to be here today and tell your story? Well, this is my favorite topic. (laughs)
1: And you are willing to have me on and talk about it. Um, I, I think that our culture right now is at a crossroads. There's so much polarization, so much anger. Underneath the anger is fear. I want us all to step into an evolutionary leap to be able to heal our wounds, to have a better future and better experiences and save each other from this discord that we're experiencing.
0: Thank you so much, Diane. That's really powerful. And I love that you put this into a book. And we can share the the book details in the episode summary whenever you're ready as well. But thank you so much for being here and sharing um, your own story very vulnerably with us. I'm sure a lot of people will really relate to what we talked about today.
1: Thank you. I so appreciate you having on me on and I so appreciate
0: everything that you do in getting these messages out to people. Thanks again for listening today. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome and you'd like additional support, check out the show notes for more resources or contact me directly. I would love to help you. And if you'd like to tell your story, I would love to interview you. You will find my contact info in the show notes. So reach out anytime. Thanks again.